Gratitude isn't so much an emotion, gratitude's a behavior. We think, well, I can't be grateful because I have these other feelings. You can have an array of feelings and choose whatever behavior you want. And it is important to feel your feelings. When we talk about things like toxic positivity, which I think can really happen when we're talking about gratitude. My intention is never to have someone convince themselves that they don't feel the way that they feel because they're able to be grateful. With a lot of practice, you can come to a place where you're grateful even for these emotions that are difficult, for these circumstances that are difficult. You can mine for that gold. In this episode with Rebecca Regner, we're diving into the neuroscience of gratitude, how your neurochemistry and physiology changes when you're in the active practice of it, how that sets your nervous system up for greater resilience and the most potent ways you can begin to weave a gratitude practice into your own life today. Rebecca Regner is a global speaker and consultant, a certified emotional intelligence and leadership facilitator, a certified energy and mindfulness teacher, and the founder of True Self Care. But her career didn't start here. For decades, she led sales teams for major corporations, crushing goals, and building tight-knit relationships. Rebecca was a total success, but didn't see herself in that way. By committing to her growth, she learned to shift out of stress and self-sabotage to create a healthy life. Using her journey as a guide, Rebecca inspires people to utilize self-care tools to measurably increase their wellness, leading to happiness and greater productivity and improve professional and personal relationships. Before we dive into this episode, we're gonna take some time for a little nerd alert. A few months ago, I interviewed Mona Anand about non-sleep deep relaxation and the practice of yoga nidra. To date, this has been one of the most popular episodes of Talk Nerdy to Me. Mona was a longtime mentor of mine and the person who introduced me to the practice of yoga nidra almost 10 years ago. Since then, I've run several rounds of yoga nidra teacher training, both in person and online. If you're unfamiliar with the practice of yoga nidra, it's a guided meditation technique that's traditionally practiced laying down on your back. The goal is to teach your body how to fall asleep while your mind learns how to stay relaxed but alert and attentive. In doing so, you allow your brain to slip into what is known as the hypnagogic state or this twilight zone between being asleep and being awake. It's very similar in that way to hypnosis and hypnotherapy. In this hypnagogic state, you'll have greater access to alpha and theta brainwave prominences and subsequently the subconscious and unconscious mind. It's through these different brainwave prominences, through accessing your subconscious and unconscious mind, that you have the heightened ability to rewire subconscious belief systems, pull old ones out from the root, and plant new ones in their place. This makes the practice of yoga nidra incredibly potent in manifestation and rewiring your brain to reflect the future self that you are stepping into. This practice also has amazing benefits in terms of regulating your nervous system and helps teach your brain and body to shift into more of a parasympathetic state. Whether you're interested in actually teaching and facilitating this practice to others or you not so selfishly just want to learn more about this practice for your own self-understanding, you are welcome to join me online starting January 17th for my next round of Yoga Nidra teacher training. We'll meet every Wednesday on Zoom from 5 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for about three months. By the end of the training, you'll have a full understanding of both the practice and the skill set necessary to successfully guide yourself or others through it. Because one-on-one -on -one feedback from me and live attendance is such a critical component to this training, space is going to be limited. To learn more and save your spot, you can click the link in the show notes or visit alexnashton.com slash nidra training. That's alexnashton.com, A-L-E-X-N-A-S-H-T-O-N dot com slash nidra training, N-I-D-R-A-T-R-A-I-N-I-N-G. Last but not least, if you've been listening to Talk Nerdy to Me and have found this information to be helpful, I would love it if you could hit pause and leave this podcast a five-star review and a written review on whatever platform you're listening on. In doing so, you help get this podcast into the ears and brains of more listeners like you. Now let's dive in and start talking nerdy. Welcome to Talk Nerdy to Me, Rebecca Regner. I was reflecting on this before we hopped on the episode that 
you are the only person in my life that I'm in contact with every single day consistently. And you probably witness more of the nuances of my life and the changes, the transformations, the things that are really challenging for me, the things that are really beautiful and inspiring to me more than probably anyone else. And it's because of this daily practice that we're in of sending each other a list of the things that we're grateful for, either via voice memo or a text or screenshotting, taking pictures of and sharing pictures of the notes app on our phone or our journals. And this practice and this form of accountability around gratitude has been one of the single most impactful practices I've ever committed to. And I know that listeners are going to get a lot out of a conversation with you specifically on the behind the scenes of why gratitude is so important, how it changes our brains. And so I want to begin by saying that I am so freaking grateful to have you here and to have you talking nerdy to me. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here. And it is really amazing to see each other, you know, in real life. So often our messages are in the morning. So I'm usually like in pajamas. Sometimes when we do send the photos, I'll like chuckle when I see whatever I see in the background, like half a leg or my pajamas or my sheets crumpled. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if Alex notices. But it's so, it's really special. And I often do think I can be very extroverted, but like most people, there's a balance. So there's also times when I need to be introverted. But for me, there's a real fine balance in making sure I'm in sort of the pendulum middle of that and not on either side. Because if I go too many days without being in connection with people, then I'm like, eh, F it. I'll just, you know, live a monastic life up in the hills all by myself. That that might be better, even though I feel terrible. Anyways, that's a topic for another time. So I'm often like, have I talked to anybody today? And it's always such a blessing to be like, okay, well, I definitely talked to Alex. So I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. So it's a great benchmark in many ways. I'm so honored to be your daily point of human contact so that you can at least check yourself <laughs> out of the monastic lifestyle. Likewise, I feel the same way, actually. I can definitely go into hermit mode and reaching out to you every single day has been such a gift. And I'm curious where your own relationship with gratitude practices began. Ooh, you know... It's been a multi, multi, many years, probably decades long experience of, I think I was raised in a, in a rather thankful, grateful household. I was raised in a, I would say, of course, a normal human household. So there was plenty of, you know, bullshit and nonsense and very mindful and a bit of spirituality running through the way that I was raised as well. So the idea of being thankful was always sort of present in my life. And I think that's something a lot of people can relate to because, you know, being thankful is at the basis of most, I'd say, major philosophies, religions, ways to sort of be in the world is the idea of, you know, being thankful. But as I grew up and more and more things and circumstances seemed to appear that I didn't necessarily want to be thankful for, it became easier to kind of shove those things to the side. It was probably probably about nine years ago when I started to get into the work of personal development and went further and further into those that I began to integrate gratitude in a more consistent basis. And that took a lot of different shapes of who and what I was grateful for, but that sort of became a little more consistent. And over the past now three, three and a half-ish years, sort of right before covid time, and then certainly in COVID and beyond, I began to really double down on a daily practice of gratitude. And a lot of that came actually from when I started to better understand the way that gratitude and other self-care practices really did impact our brains and the chemicals that came out and tying together and realizing like, oh, wait a minute, this is the way we're made. Like if we were to actually come with a user manual which would be amazing. Can you imagine like just the time we could save ourselves if we had 
just like a set of instructions that we came with. And I don't mean like for our path and exactly what we were meant to be doing, but just like, just for these systems and how the hardware works. You know what I mean? What electronics don't come with a manual anyways. That's besides the point. As I began to understand some of the way our brains work and understanding these hormones and in that way, understanding this user manual for this vessel of my body, it became a way to really further solidify the importance of that practice to me for both my subconscious and my conscious. It became a way for me in my egoic mind even to be able to be like, okay, this isn't just, I'm making this up. You know, that's a lot of times where my ego goes. And I know a lot of others from experience with clients and is we go to a place of like, well, this doesn't really matter. And, you know, our ego can trick us in those ways. But knowing that these chemicals were actually being released was a way for me to remind this part of myself, like, no, this actually does matter. Like when we do this, all these good hormones are going to go off. And in that way, it was just further sort of proof that there were some sort of results happening. You know what I mean? I didn't think I was going to talk nerdy so early out the gate. I didn't know I was going to get nerdy so soon. This is talk nerdy to me. And what I want to share is that talk nerdy to me will gladly sponsor your writing of the How to Human user guide. You mentioned all electronics come with user manuals. And what we know about the human brain is that it is electrical in nature and that the frequency and amplitude of electrical energy that's being emitted when we're practicing gratitude is different than just our normal day-to-day functioning. So I think you're really onto something with this one. And I I think we're onto something. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You know, I'm so grateful for you introducing this idea of a user manual into this conversation. And you mentioned a little bit about your childhood and the different forms and shapes that your own gratitude practice has kind of taken and evolved into. And I grew up in a very Catholic setting. I went to Catholic elementary school. My family was not super religious, but there was a pretty heavy Catholic influence on my life growing up. And a lot of the messaging that I got around gratitude was you should be grateful because someone else has it worse. Like it was always gratitude in comparison to the lack thereof or how fortunate I am because of the less fortunate or because of this polarity or duality that exists in the world. And for me, that always felt a little a little off. And so my experience of gratitude has evolved in such a way where being grateful for the sake of being grateful and not because there's any sort of guilt involved, that's been a huge, a huge part of how this practice has changed and grown for me. So I wanted to bring that into the space because I know that there are a lot of listeners out there who have had very similar upbringings, who have had similar experiences, who maybe needed to hear that right off of the gate as well. Absolutely. I think one of the things that I found to be really important in being consistent with practicing gratitude for myself again and for others that I've taught and that I've had as clients can be letting go of the things that you've made up about thankfulness and gratitude, like the guilt associated with it, that it has to be a comparison, that it needs to be huge things that we're grateful for, that it needs to be Yeah, when there's something monumental that there can't be gratitude in just everyday things, that that gratitude means less than other gratitudes. Like so much of that part of our brain that gets into things, I think is what can really harm people in creating these gratitude practices because there's all this other stuff associated to it. So I give you a ton of credit for being aware And knowing that that is a conversation that you've had around gratitude, because in that awareness is when you can make the choice to do something different. And that's what you've done. And that's why you're seeing the results that you are. You know, this is also not specific on the top of gratitude, but something I think is so important to remember in this space of awareness is amazing and it is a gift. And I am in hot pursuit of awareness of myself all the time and It is how we choose to move forward 
from those awarenesses, that's actually the breakthrough. I think a lot of times, especially in the quick, fast, meme, real, related world of social media, we're presented breakthroughs as ideas. And that's not the same. The breakthrough for me and in my experience is when you do something new and different with the awareness that you've come to. And I have no idea why that came up in the midst of this conversation, but I hope it supports someone because it's one of the things I feel really is so important and gets missed in the quickness of how we talk about, you know, our growth and our development. Yeah, well, that's actually one of my favorite parts of doing this practice every day with you is actually, I don't know if I've shared this with you. I'm very grateful for it, but it's the moments when you send me a voice memo or a text and you preface it with, I really have to dig for this one. And I see that in myself too. Like there are moments where and days where I'm like, I am having to work to generate a feeling of gratefulness for what's happening in my life. You know, I can remember very distinctly leaving you a four minute long voice memo where I'm like, and I'm so grateful for, you know, like it's a practice. And I think the moments where there's friction or resistance and the opportunity to choose differently, to choose not to be in resentment or choose not to be in a victim mentality it's been so empowering for me and also so grounding back into reality because the reality is in any given moment in time, we have something we can be grateful for. And there's always going to be terrible shit happening in the world and in our own lives and both exist. And so I think something that I hear in a lot of people that are listening to the podcast, specifically the manifestation episode is like, well, isn't it delusional to just feel grateful for something that doesn't actually exist yet or to generate a feeling of gratitude when all these other facets of my life are falling apart. And my answer to that is no, it, it's more real, right? Because we can get so fixated on what's going wrong, on what's not working, on what we're complaining about, on where we're devastated or heartbroken. We forget that there's always so much gold and beauty to be found in any given moment as well. Absolutely. I think oh, the both, like you said, allowing both, allowing your feelings to be present. I'm sad. I'm pissed off. You know, there's, you know, like 50 human emotions, any, anything that you're sitting with and you're in allowing that and also choosing a behavior of gratitude. I just happened to read this week, of course, perfect timing. Gratitude isn't so much an emotion. Gratitude's a behavior. And I think that's also something that gets in our way is that we think, well, I can't be grateful because I have these other feelings. You can have an array of feelings and choose whatever behavior you want. We're doing that all day long. If we're, you know, functioning in society in this moment, you're probably feeling a lot of ways. You're choosing to listen to this podcast. You're choosing to do this interview. You know, in addition to the ways that you're feeling, you can still choose a behavior and it is important to feel your feelings. I say this as someone who is not my favorite thing to do. And I'm deep in the work of that always of, of actually feeling the feelings and then choosing to have behaviors of gratitude and to have those both be there is, I mean, that's really where the juice is to allow both. And that's, you know, when we talk about things like toxic positivity, which I think can really happen when we're talking about gratitude. So I'm glad this is coming up, you know, fairly early too, is that, and I think also, you know, I'm a pretty bright, joyous person. So I think that also, I think even sometimes when I'm sitting with myself, I'm like, is this fake, you know, but no, I can be a joyous person and also have these other feelings. And my intention is never to have someone convince themselves that they don't feel the way that they feel because they're able to be grateful, you know? And I think at a very advanced level with a lot of practice and being with yourself, you can come to a place where you're grateful even for these emotions that are difficult, for these circumstances that are difficult. You know, like you say, you can mine for that gold and that's the gift of having a consistent gratitude practice that then you can have it as a tool to go even deeper and to use in different ways, you know? 
it's like a multi-pronged Swiss army knife. I've never thought of that analogy either. I can't wait to see how that manifests. Yeah. I want to go back to what you said about gratitude being a behavior and also some of what's happening chemically, physiologically for us when it's a behavior that we are exuding. How can we look at what's happening within our bodies, within our brains from a physiological perspective when we're in the active practice of gratitude? It's a real party going off up there when we are in the practice and the behavior of gratitude. I like to call the guests of this party the happy hormone. But again, that doesn't mean that you need to only be feeling the emotion of happiness when you're in gratitude. But I like to call these guys happy hormones. So I'm going to go through and give them a little bit of insight. I'll also mention that there's different ways to be in the behavior and in the action and practice of gratitude. So I'm going to mention some of the additional elements you can bring in to have even more happy hormones go off. But top of the list is dopamine, one of my personal favorites. Dopamine helps us with motivation. And when we are in the practice of doing self-care exercises, dopamine is released in our system, which is one of the reasons why I love doing a gratitude practice in the morning is it really helps me to fortify and have that motivation going on. Another great thing about gratitude is that as we are visualizing happy moments, which a lot of times can be what's present as we're doing a gratitude list, serotonin is released in us. And serotonin helps to regulate our mood and it also soothes our digestion, which I can't speak enough to how correlated these are, as I'm sure many of us realize. When our mood is stable, my tummy feels so much better, really quite a miracle how those things work together and serotonin being released is a big part of that when we're visualizing happy memories in the midst of our gratitude that's a new word too these two others are sort of offshoots of the what's happening oxytocin is released and oxytocin another banger also helps to improve our mood and it also helps us to form social bonds So as you're expressing gratitude to someone else, oxytocin is released in you and will help improve on your faith. Exactly. Like we're so bonded. Well, yeah, we're really bonded. I mean, Lord, the oxytocin. And also why we're in such a good mood right now. And the fourth happy hormone is endorphins. Funny laughter releases endorphins as well. So if you get a good laugh out of your gratitude list or if you choose to do it in partnership and get a good laugh out of theirs, endorphins is great. Also, endorphins, I skipped a beat, they help us to reduce our pain and stress and also help to stimulate experiences of pleasure. Soothing music is one of the ways that endorphins gets released, listening to soothing music. So if you're pairing your gratitude music with listening to a piece of music, that's a great way to get that added bit of happy hormones popping off. And doing random acts of kindness is also a way to release endorphins. So if you're, you know, spontaneous in your gratitude and you're treating it as an act of kindness, then endorphins are also released there. So there's a whole mess of just great party vibes happening when we're in this practice of gratitude. And important to note, even if you don't necessarily feel all these things, because, you know, life is also not like an ATM where you enter your gratitude, you're able to pull out your, you know, your things like this in a way that you see it come out in your hand. These things are still happening. These chemicals and a healthy functioning brain are all being released. Whether you feel them in that moment or not, they are building up and that is present there. I think that's another thing that's really important to ground yourself in, in beginning a gratitude practice is understanding that It might not be automatic that you're seeing a big drastic change in your life. It's again, it's a practice. It's an exercise. So just like any exercise, keeping it up consistently is when you're going to see results and you don't maybe quit your exercising because the intention is that you're going to have these long-term built up sustainable results when you exercise. You go to the gym and you lift consistently. So one day when you need to lift, a 50 pound box, it's that much easier for you to be able to do it because you've consistently built up. And I think that gratitude, in my experience, it's worked the same way. As I've consistently built up these hormones and these things are happening every day, when a 50 pound box comes, 
life or really big circumstances, a loved one is sick, you know, you're feeling deep emotion, you have a heartbreak, something's gone on at work, you're stressed, you're angry, you know, as this 50 pound of emotion or circumstances comes, you're that much more fortified for it because you've been building up all of these sustainable hormones. I will be honest, I'm not even 100% sure. Is that how the brain works? Because I know that's how my life experience works. But I am curious to know neuroscience, Alex, if this is true. I mean, I wish it worked like an ATM where we could just like punch a number in and be like, okay, great. Gratitude bomb of oxytocin, dopamine, all of these, like all of these things. But yeah, what you're saying is absolutely true. And what I've read pertains more to the neuroplasticity piece in this, which is that when we're in the active practice of gratitude, we are training our brains to see the positive, the good, the beauty and everything that is around us. And in strengthening those neural pathways, we yield a greater level of resilience to just naturally be able to see those things in the moments when everything else feels like it's falling apart. And I don't know about you, but that has been one of the biggest gifts of this practice for me is that I really feel like it's made me more resilient in moments of adversity where I've really felt mentally, emotionally, physically challenged. You know, all of my self-care practices, I like to think of them as preventative care rather than damage control. The reason why I do these practices is not necessarily to fix, heal myself in the past, although I think that's an inevitable side effect, but it's to make myself more resilient so that the work that I've put in previously carries me forward in the future so I don't throw my back out the next time I'm trying to carry a 50-pound box. And I also feel so high right now. I feel like this gives a new meaning to high on your own supply. And I love that you brought in the fact that we're laughing so much right now and so happy to see each other. And also that I feel so bonded to you is such an inevitable side effect of doing this because I actually didn't know very much about gratitude from a neurochemistry perspective. And I so appreciate that. I'm curious what changes you've seen in your life over the course of committing to practices like these. I'll speak to that on Tuesday. So I'll speak to it in terms of some of the positive results I've seen are a lot of what you just spoke into, the resilience I've seen when challenging situations come, being able to hold more of those feelings has definitely been something that I've seen as present noticing more, feeling that much more lucky and blessed because I'm constantly seeing things that make me feel grateful and blessed and lucky and having what feels like a more deepened life. Because similar to what you were saying, as we're focusing on all these grateful things, that's what we see on the flip side of that. If we're not acknowledging, we're actually training our brain that everything's all the same and it leads to a lot of mundanity in our life. So I've seen a real vibrancy in my life. And speaking on that mundane side, speaking of more the risk side, what I've really seen, and this is where I think it can also get tricky with our egoic mind, some of whom are really wired for results like mine and others. It's a lot of people. It's when I've been out of practice that I've really been able to see a difference that the practice makes. Because when I have fallen out of practice, I typically feel a little more sick to my stomach. I feel a little more stressed. I feel a little bit more caught in the depression of what could I have done differently? What have I done wrong? The anxiety of what's the future going to hold and blah, 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 blah. Those states seem to arise much quicker. The further away I am for gratitude, the bigger they grow as well, if that makes sense. So I recognize there's a real also deep change in my self-talk within myself, the way that the voice in my head is interacting with me, both the things that it says and the tone and temperament in which that voice is speaking to me. When I'm out of my gratitude practice, it is not as pleasurable of a voice to be with as when I'm in my gratitude practice. 
I think because of the ways it also can expand out into feelings like self-compassion, self-love, self-forgiveness, the way that those emotions and states of being have come to me through this practice, that's also where I've seen the benefit, but it's usually in the absence that I notice the benefit, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And I love what you shared about how we can so easily resort to mundanity when we're not moving through practices like this. And that's been my own experience as well. You know, at this point, we've been really consistent for about six months, I think over six months now, aside from about like a one month stretch of time where I was bouncing all over South America this summer. And when I'm not in this practice, life just feels a little more flat, a little less exciting, a little less magical. I don't know if I've shared this with listeners on this podcast before, but my relationship with something bigger than myself, I know everybody likes to call it something a little different, like God, spirit, source. I believe in the quantum fields, which I sometimes call God, but most of the time I call it the magic. There are very clear moments in my life where I feel more connected to the magic and something bigger than myself. And when I'm doing this practice every day, hands down, it's the most magical part of my life. It's the time when I really feel like there is something bigger than me and get to experience all of the relief and connection that comes with that. So thank you for bringing that up. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I think uh, there's, as you mentioned, there's so many different names for the infinite intelligence, I think is permeating around all of us and this incredible amount of love that's present in the universe. And the names we associated with it, unfortunately, I think really disrupt a lot of people's relationship with what's happening. To be honest, that's the thing that breaks my heart most, my spirit and my soul is the disconnection that people have from this infinite intelligence and this infinite love because of things like semantics and things that religion have done. And we're not going to deep dive into that, but I, I want to recognize how challenging that can be. And a practice like this that can seem super secular, to be honest, like this is you just making a list, you know, but what I experience is that all of these hormones being released, this is on purpose in the way that I see things. We are made this way on purpose and it's to have these feelings come. It's to have us create and feel what it is to be alive. We are here to be alive. And I think maybe that's why our brains work the way that they do because it's not us resorting to mundanity. That's literally the way our brains are set up is if we're not in these actions, that's where our brain goes is la 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 everything's the same and I think being able to recognize like whoa all these things are going off to have me feel alive and when I am alive that's when I'm most tapped into this energy and this love that's what we're here for you know and I think that alone can be such a beautiful thing to sit with and really find gratitude for you know absolutely one of my all-time favorite quotes, which unfortunately was spoken by the Dalai Lama, who there's a lot of controversial stuff in the news about right now, did say at one point in time several years ago, this quote of, today I am fortunate to have woken up. I have a precious human life and I'm not going to waste it. And that's something I often repeat to myself every morning. Not so much since everything in the news <laughs> came out but but just the recognition of the gift that our own aliveness is and the privilege that it is to be able to live another day to witness the full spectrum of human emotion including all of the painful and negative aspects negative I'm doing air quotes negative aspects of what it is to be a human. Like it's such a gift to even be able to see it for another day and to bear witness to our own aliveness. I agree. I will I will shorten it up even more, I think. And because I think for me, and this is my own triggering, is when I hear don't waste it, that triggers me in a million direction of that quote of being grateful and then this precious life, don't waste it. 
what does wasted mean? Like, you know what I mean? I could go off forever about what does wasted mean and what does being productive mean and blah, 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 blah. Anyways, where I will where I will begin, and I think this is a beautiful place for someone who's new to gratitude, coming back to gratitude, or just if you're in a moment, if you can simply be grateful for your breath, if you are out of things that you are grateful for, if you look around your surroundings and there is nothing that you are thankful for, if you're thankful that you have breath, that's enough. And if you're not thankful that you have breath, that is also, and I am not saying this in a funny way, but that's a great sign that you need to be in contact with a mental health professional. If you no longer have gratitude for your breath, then that's probably a beautiful alarm for you to be in contact with someone who can support you in that conversation. And so long as you have gratitude for your breath, that's enough. Everything else is gravy, you know? It's all gravy, baby. <laughs> You're going to have a season's worth of sound bites from this interview alone. <laughs> I want to backtrack to what you mentioned about if you are new to gratitude practices or you're coming back to gratitude practices, if you were to give us a how-to, like how-to gratitude, are there any best practices that you would recommend? Where should we begin aside from feeling grateful for our breath? It's funny. Why will begin and end there? So for one, we'll begin with breath. And I mentioned that at the beginning because we've already talked about this a bit today as well. One of the big things that I see get in the way of us practicing gratitude and practicing consistently is what am I grateful for, you know, and and thinking that it needs to be these big monumentous things that you need to be grateful for. And that's not the way that our brains work. That's not the way these hormones are being released. The part of our brains that's releasing this hormone is not the part of our brain that's quantifying if something is big or small. We're telling that. That would be a huge suggestion I would have is that letting go of this idea that something needs to be of a certain stature, whatever that is for you, in order to be grateful for it. Let go of that and know that's not the way that you're designed, that anything you're grateful for is going to yield you the results you're looking for if, if you've decided to have a gratitude practice. So letting that go you know, letting go of any other stories that may come. And this is a constant practice of the letting go. It'll probably happen as you're writing, mid-sentence, all the things, but letting it go, all of that to begin with. Something else that I will offer as you're thinking of what your gratitude might look like, I have found a lot of success in starting with quick list of five things that I'm grateful for, writing those down, Pro tips that have helped me as well have been keeping a notebook right by my bed or somewhere really close and accessible where I'm starting my day so that it's easy and quick for me to get to. I'm a big believer in limiting friction around whatever you're trying to do, especially with a self-care practice. So if you can keep something right by your bed, that can be really helpful. And writing things down can be really powerful to see them down in print. Also, though, allowing yourself some grace, especially as you're moving through your practice, that maybe it feels better for you to verbalize in a message. Maybe it feels better for you to color a picture. Whatever it is, the how isn't so nearly as important as the intention of the actual being in the gratitude practice and and wanting to support yourself in all these ways. Another way I think that can really support an ongoing gratitude practice is also playing around with it a little bit. Again, the method of delivery that you're using can be great. Also, maybe you choose to do a category. Maybe that's a way that you can spark some excitement for yourself. So maybe you pick a day where you're grateful for things around your house. You're grateful for what you see in nature. You're grateful for your body and different body parts. Maybe you're grateful for your clothes. I cannot tell you how many times I'm grateful for my socks. Uh, so much so that I don't even put them in my daily gratitude. I've borne witness to the gratefulness for your socks on multiple occasions now. I love them and they're amazing and what a gift it is. And I think this comparison is so tricky because I definitely think it's a way that we can put ourselves in a position like you talked about earlier. And also it can be a way for us to amplify our feelings of gratitude. I'm so grateful for my socks and there are people that don't have socks. So I am that much more grateful for my socks. 
but I'm grateful for my socks just on their own as their own entity. I'm grateful for them and I'm grateful for them on my feet. I really am. Caledonia cashmere wool blend. Tis the season. They're out right now. Can't recommend them enough. Oh, I don't know that they have Caledonians everywhere, by the way. So I, I apologize for this European specific shout out and find your comfy socks wherever you may live and enjoy the blessing that is being grateful for them on a consistent basis. And I think too, it's really about, again, as we talked about a lot of people's egos, I'd say all egos respond well with results. And some people's more than other. I do a lot of work with sales teams, for example, and having had a long background in sales, I deeply understand this connection to results. And that can be a way to also check in with yourself. Maybe you decide that you're going to practice gratitude for 33 days. That's a commonly held amount of time it can take to get our brain sorted. You mentioned, was it a month? I forget what you sent me recently. Whatever it is, choose for yourself. You know, I'm going to check in and see how things are progressing after a few weeks and have that moment with yourself and notice how things have shifted or are moving. Are they not? You know, just give yourself a bit of time to sort of check in and commit from there. You know, allow yourself to work with your ego to also sustain your practice and throw it a little bone every once in a while. You know, they really do mean well, theoretically. Amazing. Are there any other practices that you personally love the most? And so that's part one of this question. Part two is, is there any additional value to explaining why we're grateful for the things that we're grateful for? Because I noticed that that's a habit that you and I have gotten into of saying, I'm so grateful for my scooter here in Bali for hauling my sweaty butt cheeks all over Luatu or, you know, whatever it may be. And yeah, I just noticed that we've gotten into the practice of saying why we're grateful for what we're grateful for. So I'm curious if there's any additional benefit to that. I do not know nerdily if that is what's going on. If I was to imagine what's going on from my experience of doing it is I feel that much more deeply connected to the practice and what it is I'm talking about. As we're mentioning, I don't know this for sure, but my guess is that it's possible that perhaps that's when things like serotonin are also being released because we're more visualizing, you know, it's not just seeing the scooter, but it's seeing the scooter in action and visualizing those moments a bit more. I don't really know for sure because, you know, also what a mystery these bodies really are. So I don't know for sure, but that's my own personal experience is yes, when I'm thinking of why I'm grateful for something or some place, which does seem to amplify those feelings even more. And then any favorite practices that you've adopted? I'm going to try to let my ego not be hurt if it's not the one that we're currently committed to. Yes, I've gone through many stages and relationships with a lot of different practices, both energetic practices, whether they be doing energy work, meditation, prayer, doing devotional work with a Bible to fully secular reading of personal development work, or I have had other sorts of self-care practices, whether it's celebration or acknowledging myself. I've had times over the past several years where I've had hours-long self-care practices. And over the course of probably the last two years, I would say, there was a big shift in that, which has felt really wild for me, especially being a teacher of this work. It's been really wild to see the shift in relationship and something that I've really given myself a lot of grace around. And what's beautiful is gratitude has consistently been present. And I think, and why I'm so grateful that this is the topic that you really wanted to focus on today is it's such, I'm going to say the word easy, Nothing in life is easy. We are living in crazy times. It really may be the end of days. It's stressful and hard to be a human. And in that, this is a practice that I have found to be accessible in a way that can feel very easy and easeful. I'm able to hold on to this no matter what has fallen away and taken different shapes and sometimes comes in and out and all of that. But the the baseline of gratitude and being in this practice has 
remain consistent in those patches when it hasn't, as we already talked about. Within a couple of weeks, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, all these clouds in the, in the sky, what's going on with the weather? Oh, got it. I know what's going on here. I am the sky and everything else is the weather and I'm going to go ahead and pump up my gratitude and uh, remember that I'm the sky and not the clouds and the weather, you know? That's a quote. I didn't come up with that myself, by the way. That's Pima Chodron. <laughs> you are the sky and everything else is just the weather. And I think that's true, especially like we are talking about with gratitude being a behavior and a behavior that then is setting off all of these hormones going on inside of us. That's us being the sky such that whatever sunshine, rain, clouds may come, we are still, we're still there as the sky. Consistent. Yeah, absolutely. If somebody wanted to begin a practice today, really zooming out and reconnecting back to the knowing that they are the sky, what practice would you give to them to begin and maybe even to build on what we've already talked about? So one of my all-time favorites, as mentioned, I think beginning with a written list can be super helpful. And in beginning with that written list is, again, taking the step-by-step, but beginning with writing down what you're grateful for, and then taking a look back and looking at that list and doing your best to really feel the experience of gratitude that's happening in your body. So for example, with my socks, I'm, you know, I may write down, I am so grateful for my socks. And then as I go back and I'm feeling it's not just the socks, it's the fact that the socks have me feel warm. It has me feel cozy. It has me feel a, a level of safety. And so experiencing those sensations in my body and then even maybe noticing, do I feel them somewhere specifically? And this is where it's wild too, because I feel the socks are on my feet, but I feel that warm, cozy feeling in my heart. It's a sensation that I get around me inside of feeling warm and cozy, like a hug on my heart. And that can be really powerful too, because what I think is so mesmerizing about gratitude and I could probably sit and stare for the rest of my life pondering is that so often our gratitude is for things that are external to us and our external circumstances but the gratitude is happening inside of us these hormones this experience is happening within us even though it's an externally related thing which again I could spend the rest of my life in an esoteric conversation about this internally and externally but I think it's so incredible that that exists and being able to spend that time with what you've written and reading it back can be just a really beautiful experience of feeling the gratitude inside of yourself I love it talk nerdy to me homework go get some socks write your list and then reconnect with the sensations of your body as you read it. I love it. So if somebody wanted to learn more about these kinds of practices or any kinds of self-care practices from you, where is the best place they can connect with you and learn more? You can connect with me at trueselfcare.org. On there, you can find out information about the corporate workshops that I do. I do a lot of work, as I mentioned, with companies. Specifically, I do a lot with sales teams around building gratitude practices that fit into your workday and ways that you can integrate your work life into these sorts of self-care practices. I also offer one-on-one mentoring, which you can learn about on trueselfcare.org. And I also do speaking. So events for nonprofit companies, organizations looking to arm people with the tools to do these sorts of practices in a way that really makes sense for your daily life. We talked about it a lot today in ways to work with your ego. I talk a lot of ways about integrating within your actual day because the real juice of it is not knowing what gratitude is and knowing all these good things happen, but the actual doing of it, that's going to get you a little bit closer to the regulated mood you might be after. So those are some of the ways. And I'm also on Instagram if you just want to get some shenanigans of my personal life and see my gratitude in action. I'm at Rebecca Praxisini. and you're always welcome to DM me there. But for ways you can work with me, trueselfcare.org. Amazing. And links to both of those are going to be in the show notes. 
Rebecca, thank you so much for carving out the time to talk nerdy to me today on top of the connection we've already had today via WhatsApp and our gratitude practices. I'm really grateful for your time and to be able to be with you here on the podcast as well. Thank you so much. I realize we didn't mention you can do gratitude on your own. I did that for a really long time and it's been such an extraordinary gift to be practicing gratitude in partnership and share it with Alex. And it's just a whole new realm of accountability and intimacy. And I'm just really wildly grateful for everything it's offered to me. So thank you for your role in my everyday life. And thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about gratitude. It can be such an easy action to implement in our lives with just huge payout. So I'm really grateful that you thought to give this gift to your listeners. I hope you're all grateful too. This is just a gratitude love bubble. Happening online <laughs> over here. And look at how that changes everything. I also just, I always like to remind people that self-care work is beautiful for yourself and the way that then you show up as the person that you are in these practices is also the real gold of it all because now you're out in the world just with this level of gratitude present in yourself and that makes all the difference. I mean, we all know the difference of speaking to someone who has likely had a moment of gratitude in the day and someone that hasn't. So thank you for your future grateful self and all that that will contribute to the world as well. Oh, I love you so much. Thank you, Rebecca. I love you. If you loved this episode, help us get it into the ears and brains of more listeners like you by sharing it on social media. When you share on Instagram, make sure you tag me at Alex underscore Nashton. Instagram is also the best place to send me your questions about the episode material and make requests for future topics and guests. New episodes of Talk Nerdy to Me drop every single Wednesday. When you hit subscribe, you'll be notified of new releases so you never have to miss one. Last but not least, this podcast baby would not be possible without Adam Russell. Adam, I am so grateful to have had your support in creating this podcast. Thank you for always being willing to talk nerdy to me.